Hello and welcome to Get Your Play On, the industry podcast for playwrights and theatre makers. I'm Sam Brady. And I'm Ginny Manning. So today, um, our episode is with Box of Tricks, who are a theatre company based in Manchester. And I was so delighted that we got a chance to speak with them because I have um, been following their work and um, everything that they've been doing for the past few years. They are fantastic in terms of playwright and theatre maker support um, here in the Northwest. Um, and they've worked with so many different writers, who all of whom I'm big fans of. So um, it was really good to get a chance to speak to them. Yeah, it was. Yeah. And I mean, in the Northwest, we've known about them for a long time. But a lot of the great stuff that they do, they've actually put online, haven't they? So yeah. they're doing a lot of online events and workshops and opportunities. So it's actually opened it up to probably a lot more people as well. Yes, absolutely. I was surprised because... Um, Everything that's online now, which we will discuss in the interview, um, they had been thinking about that pre-COVID as well. Mm, so yeah, yeah, yeah. So I really liked that that they, you know, it's all part of their ethos of support and um, you know helping people get to where they need to be. So let's listen to them now. Okay. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a long time coming. Yeah, yeah thanks yeah. for having us. Yeah. So, how has uh, your lockdown been anyway? Is it two small children you've got? Yeah, two, yeah, two small survive, children. Surviving. Yeah, it's uh, things are definitely a lot better now that um, other people are looking after them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, yeah. The youngest is at nursery, and then the the eldest is at, back at school. So yeah, that's made a huge difference because it was for for kind of a three month period we were just juggling. Uh, childcare and just making sure that they're entertained and you know kept alive um all the essentials uh whilst whilst also trying to do work so yeah it was a bit 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 hairy at moments but we've we've, kind of coped haven't we yeah i think there's there's kind of it's a um bit of a double-edged sword the fact that we work together because actually we could pass stuff on to each other really easily but then the boundaries get blurred as to you don't. You can't be like, well, my boss says I've got to do this amount of work because we are each other's boss and our own boss, and so it's all. And um, yeah, it's been a lot better these this last week and a half. Yeah, it is weird though being self-employed, isn't it? I've got a friend Ben Schofield who's a comedian. He used to say that what he learned from being self-employed was. A, he's a shit boss. <laughs> and B, he's a shit employee. <laughs> so it is weird. But, um, yeah, so tell us about Box of Tricks um, then and, and why you started it. Yeah, it's uh, so, yeah, Box of Tricks um, makes plays. We, we, we empower playwrights to tell the stories that they want to tell. Um, and, that's, and that's a vision that we have been honing over the years. We're 14 years old this year um and that that vision has kind of come you know sharpened over the years and just become kind of more crystallized the further we've gone in you know gone into the into working in this industry yeah i mean i think i think in some ways hindsight's a wonderful thing but um looking back i think that vision was always there Mm. in some degree that you know the, the kernel of it was when when we set the company up but actually when we set it up we certainly didn't think that we would still be here doing it 14 years later it was very mm. much a means to an end of us creating a platform to make work as directors and then we got more and more excited about the process of 
creating the work rather than just um, putting it on. Like actually that being in a room with writers and designers and actors and and making work, making a story come to life. And um, we realised that actually the relationships in that room were as important to us as the relationship with the audience, which is kind of where we started out, um, which I guess is where all all theatre makers sort of start out. You start out thinking about the relationship with the audience because that's the first role that you play within theatre. And then you and then you learn about the other roles and you find the one that, that really suits you and allows you to flourish. Um, but as Adam said, it's been it's been a work in progress kind of honing that that vision and um and i guess you know this us putting the onus on you know being the playmakers and moving away you know we, we we've you know for years we kind of call ourselves a new writing theater company which we still would and still mm. do i think it's still useful terminology but actually making that distinction about making plays that it's a collaborative art form rather than you know i, I think often playwriting can feel like you know the, the, or people have this notion of you know writers sitting in an ivory tower and kind of penning their, their their masterpiece and then sending off and you know it being produced and it's just you know like you know for for me it's it's much more about bringing particular people together at a particular time responding to a particular story and actually what comes out of that is is alchemy you know um and you can't you can't get that um off a shelf yeah exactly you know that you know and, and actually from for this why we moved to a commissioning model as well um back in 2015 yeah um because because prior to that we would we would accept scripts and if we were excited about them we would do some development on them and there was you know there was always a collaborative collaborative aspect to it yeah um but 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 making the commitment to go on that journey from the seed of an idea through to you know treatment through to first draft through to development through to staging it was so enriching for for, for us as directors for everybody yeah. actually like playwrights have said that they just feel enormously supported and able to make some of their best work because we just keep saying yeah yeah mm. no try that maybe do a bit of this yeah yeah mm. yeah no that's cool we can make that work and actors love it because they like feeling like they're at the beginning of something and they like having their and voice being, heard yeah, in and a being way. involved in the process yeah, yeah. In a development you know development scenario it's a really different role for an actor mm. to play and and um, the ones who are good at it are amazing and you know you can't do it without them and actually mm. as a director it's it's lovely going through that whole journey on a piece and it does mean that when you eventually get into the rehearsal room ready to for the production it's just the plays in your bones. You're just living with it. So you don't have to do hours and hours of prep and hours and hours of homework because you've been doing that for mm. like a year, two years. It, yeah, yeah. And, you know, and then that extra bit that you do feels a real joy where you get to go, and now I get to suddenly immerse myself in those books about whatever, whatever the play's about. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's been a really good, a, a really good shift for us and one that we haven't regretted at all. I mean, I guess the only regret is that it takes time, so you can't... Mm can't be in a rehearsal room as much as you would like to be but I think every director in the world would probably say that yeah. you know, they're not in the rehearsal room as much as they would like to be absolutely so you just you just described that things have changed for Box of Tricks um, it, I'm sure that obviously we will discuss what you're doing now which is incredible work but just from the early days um, have you found that the the um, the process of getting from from perhaps an idea to the written word to the stage has changed over the last 14 years? Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, certainly in terms of our process, 
um, and and how we approach that. You know, because I think in the early days, I, I mean, I'm from. Uh, in fact, we both we both did English um, at university, so we were both from a kind of more very text text based yeah text based analytical kind of background, um, and I think that in the early days we were kind of you know steering more towards that rather than really seeing its its theatrical potential, and I think you know as you know I've grown in confidence both as a dramaturg and a director actually the 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 role that that I'm bringing is isn't just about you know how you this word? yeah ju- yeah script writing as as it were it's it's actually realizing the full potential of that story um and uh, and why that story is being told on stage and you know why now and all of those questions that are you know put into it yeah um I think we've also like the more that we've done it the more we've committed to um a sustained development process and mm. giving plays the amount of time that they need the more confident we've been in going there's no right or wrong way to do it there's no one size fits all you yeah. do the thing that's right for the play and for the playwright and that a playwright might need a particular process to bring out the best in them but then that process might need to be adapted depending on what the play's about mm. and that you know we've we have a very broad framework of of stages of development, stages in a life of a play before it gets to be up in front of an audience. But actually, we're kind of happy to throw those out and rewrite mm. the rule book every time if we need to, because you you've just you need to you've respond, got to have the yeah. confidence to know that you can follow your instincts and mm. you can respond to something and you will still get the best out of it. That if you don't do you know a public read through at the end of your week of development it's okay you haven't failed it's not like you know, oh no we haven't done the work and it wasn't ready actually that's fine it's absolutely fine or that you can do a read through of three scenes and then talk about the scenes that aren't there and that's mm. fine it doesn't mean that you've been lazy and you haven't done the work or yeah. you know um that's that's okay and i think that that's that's what 14 years of doing it gives you just that confidence to know that actually our end product is good and the process is positive and supportive. Mm. So that's actually, you know, if people are happy making the work, then they'll make better work. That mm. sounds yeah. a, bit, a little bit trite, but it is true. <laughs> that's true. We, we, talk, we have talked about this quite a lot um, throughout the podcast that we've done in terms of the confidence of a playwright to um, to to re-identify in a way as a theatre maker and be open to collaboration as well. Mm. That yeah. um, I'm moving away from from this idea that you buy yourself and what you write on the page. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it took us a while to, um, to realize that as well, though. I think that, um, you know, it took, took us a while to realize that actually you know, we're all theatre makers and mm. you can, you know, you can go and talk to anybody. You can ask to go and talk to anybody. That's fine. And you don't have to have got to a certain level or have a polished pitch or have all the answers. Like that. Actually, you, it is allowed to just ask to have a conversation to ask questions and and you know no one's born fully formed ready to yeah write a play for the olivier (laughs) and also yeah and it's (laughs) it's it's a really important point as well because you know we were really lucky particularly in the early days that we met people who informally supported our journey um you know would basically have a cup of tea with us Mm. and we could ask stupid questions and they would you know show us I don't know, budgets or whatever that, that would then inform us and our thinking and um, and we've always benefited from that a whole way on our journey and we're still continuing to learn and still continuing to to, to talk to people and, and get you know and I think it, there's there is a fear 
in making that first approach and and i and i understand that and it's actually you know like one of the things for us as a company is actually how do we break some of those barriers down yeah. and how do we f- make people feel included and part of um a network part of a family yeah that 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 and that they can they can reach out and that they you know that that because we're all we're all you know we're all um yeah we're all in it together yeah Yeah. i was was gonna say that and then it just feels really really cringy Um, but what advice would you give um people who are new to boxer tricks in terms of um just sort of developing a relationship with you well we've made it a little bit easier for people to do that through um the playmakers network that we've um that we set up uh which was and um, was something that we've been thinking about for a while we've been thinking about ways that we could make ourselves um more easily approachable t- taking you know taking away um obstacles you know we, we kind of knew that once people got into a room with us they realized that actually we weren't we weren't intimidating we were quite friendly but that sometimes stepping into that room can feel a bit a bit too big of a step so the playmakers network is um an online community of support and opportunities and activities for northern playwrights um and uh We've got nearly two hundred. No, we've got two hundred. Yeah, two hundred members. Very yeah. exciting. Um, and we've uh, the first thing that we kind of have launched with that um, network is a, our pen pals, um, like peer support, peer mentoring, um, scheme where we're going to match pairs of writers together and they will go on a kind of six month journey to support each other in writing a draft with us kind of being like the. Um, I don't know, helpful teacher in the background. Yeah. I, don't I, don't, I don't know if no, teacher's no. the right no. word. Um, <laughs> so, just a, a helpful outsider. It's a bit outside. yeah, it does, it does. Um, But yeah, no, <laughs> and it was, and it, Pen Pals is a great example of, um, of kind of listening to what playwrights need. And it, it came out of a conversation as part of the Writers' Breakfast um, that we had back in January um, at home. And, and it was just such a simple idea that, you know, that, you know, to 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 connect two writers who can share work over a period of time um with the view of supporting each other and you know and connecting because i think it can be quite an isolating experience writing um and you can it can feel quite lonely also you know it's that opportunities to meet it's not like actors who work together on a regular basis you know and have that opportunity you know that the writers we just wanted to find a mechanism by which to kind of put people together and put people in touch and also to connect with us in a you know in a way that wasn't you know in a low uh, risk way, yeah and, and think... full, not yeah full-on commission and i guess that's part of it as well with yeah. pen pals that there isn't we, we're not there isn't an end goal in terms of creating a play that then will be staged um, or anything else. It's actually about the process and investing in that process and learning craft and, um, and that it's, it, it's yeah not about just kind of responding to, to a competition or anything else. But it's also recognizing relationships. Yeah. And recognizing, I guess that playwrights can find it, can sometimes find it quite difficult to justify the time to mm. write stuff if it's not for a competition or a deadline mm. or a commission. So actually by creating a really safe space and a, a safe mechanism yeah. to say, well, look, you, you set your deadlines, we're going to set some for you and then you set your own and you write, you get 
as far as you get at the mm. end of it. But actually, you've always got a reason to do stuff because you're letting down your pen pal if you don't. <laughs> and we'll be breathing down your neck every so often. To, you know, and, and I think that everyone needs that. Everyone yeah. needs a bit of a, you know, a bit of a deadline, a bit of yeah. an outside pressure. But this is a really positive one. It's about saying, let's create, let's make something. And, yeah. You know, we're hoping that at some point when we'll be allowed to actually see people and, you know, be in rooms again, that, that we can shift some of this, some of the pen pals network um into real life yeah. and that the playmakers mm. network as well will become will have the capacity to have real life meetups as well as staying mm. digital and online and stuff like that but um we're hoping that the network in itself will make it really easy for lots of people just to say hi i'm here mm. and also to give them um to give them a bit of extra confidence in then getting in touch with us. They can say, I am part of your network yeah. and I wondered if I could talk to you about this or if you'd read this. And cause I think that, yeah, it's difficult to write that email, isn't it? To say, hi, you know, and it's funny as well. It's kind of one of the positives of, you know, everything that's happening at the moment and, you know, COVID-19 in particular and, you know, going into lockdown that that, that shift to digital has suddenly meant that we can reach more people because we've kind of talked about how we how can we support you know network a, a network of writers beyond Manchester say yeah. and actually it's never really felt like we could do it in a meaningful way apart from doing you know pop into different cities every so every often every so often and everything else and then it's difficult to kind of maintain that relationship whereas because of you know the, the move towards digital or, or I mean all of this technology has been here for years you know what I mean and we're all suddenly kind of embracing it on a mass scale and 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 it and it, and it just opens up possibilities mm. i just get really excited about the way that we can meet new writers and uh, connect with them and and start a relationship you know i was just going to say in terms of the pen pals scheme that you've set up because i was in a collaboration with lalu makoko in south africa but we worked together online mm. for for nearly three years but what i found we were both writers and theatre makers in that room and it didn't matter what else was mm. going on. And that's so valuable to have that space and, it, you know, you can both focus on something. So yeah. I think that it's it's a really rewarding idea. I think it's yeah. just got to do the, do the matchmaking. That's the bit I'm like, as we create the optimum pairs. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my next job. <laughs> so where are you up to with that process then? Uh, yeah, we go through some submissions and yeah, just kind of looking at uh, people's applications. Um, so we're, we're launching it, so it'll kind of kick off in September mm. uh, for six months. Um, and so yeah, so we're, we're hoping to kind of talk to the the, the long listed writers um, about the the next stage of that. Yeah. Um, and and actually, what they want to get out of the experience, so that we can do the best job possible, as Hannah's saying about okay. matching. You know, it's not just about you know the, the plays that they're exploring; it's about you know, there's so many different factors that actually we want to hear their input and, you know, do some kind of face-to-face -face online meetings with writers so that we can get a, a, a clearer idea what what it is that they would want to get out of, of that experience. Yeah, I'm kind of a little bit um, scared of pairing it, but I'm also like, I can make it a met. Like, what if they it was the best thing ever and then they went on to write together and then won awards or got married or yes um so then yeah then i get overly excited about becoming this amazing theatrical matchmaker which could just you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but, it does uh, seem yeah. like this is a real motivator for you in terms of uh you know mentoring and uh, nurturing emerging playwrights and theatre makers like uh you know you've got a, a track record of doing this it must be 
tremendously sort of exciting to to see artists who you've worked with at an early stage in their career go on to to bigger and better things yeah no it is it definitely is and i think for us prior prior to playmakers that always felt like there was a bit of a missing piece Mm. in that because we you know we've got playbox which is our early career uh playwright program which is a year-long uh program where writers are attached to us and during that time they write uh, a new play you know with dramaturgical support from us and that gets a public reading mm-hmm. um and that and that was great way for us to kind of work with three writers closely and to to, to you know build on that relationship working on something together um and likewise new tricks which is our commissioning model you know that's it's it's a great vehicle for us to kind of um commission writers that we're really excited about and go on a journey you know exploring that story but we didn't have a way of for writers to first a touch point that first touch point or a pathway in um and and some of that happens organically you know we've always had an open submission window that's always been important to us that people could always send us you know a script and introduce it's like we were missing the base of the pyramid yeah wasn't it only had like the narrow bit at the top of the quite intense quite involved relationships and actually what we hadn't yet hadn't found Mm. a successful mechanism for was yeah a lot of touch points Mm. and a lot of beginning conversations other than the people who would come along to a writer's breakfast or a you know writing event attached to production and would then have the confidence to get up and talk in front of a room full of people or ask a question or grab whoever whichever one of us was around for Mm. a chat you know that and that already is a big ask for a lot Mm. of writers to feel like they've got something to say and they've got the confidence to say it and to take up that space and actually um you know, it's we wanted to make it easy for writers to acknowledge their own space, mm. get to know their own process, get to know their own voice, so that we then cr- can create pathways for them to amplify that voice and to show it off, whether that be with us or with a different company. Um, that they need, you know, everyone needs that first little bit to go, oh, it's cool. I am like, I'm, I deserve to be here. My voice deserves to be heard. I have got interesting ideas. Someone did laugh at my jokes. This is good. Oh, brilliant. And um, without it being a kind of all or nothing, well, if they don't mm. like the script, if they don't agree to put it on, then but I may as well just give up. And, mm. um, but yeah, I think we've, we've hit upon the model for now. I mean, I'm sure it will need refining. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> everything. Do you think that if you, if all you see of a writer is a script, that there's a chance that you might miss on a lot of things like are there things I suppose that you can learn about how you could work with a playwright by meeting them that you wouldn't learn you know just from reading a script yeah absolutely absolutely and that's that's been one of the things um particularly in playbox I mean this year we're um we're having an open submissions call out for playbox whereas previously um we kind of reached out to networks and contacts and um had it had been a bit more uh, a bit more closed in our approach to finding writers and, and we wanted to get rid of those barriers um for this time but but in those previous um processes to to find the three play boxes um a face to face conversation was absolutely fundamental because mm. what I was really keen on finding out it was um nine times out of ten be me having those meetings um would be to hear someone talk about how they write and why they write and what they want to say because it takes you a really long time to be able to contain that within your play 
you know, you've got to get to a really quite established point in your career where how you write, write, why you write, what your voice is, is all within there in the play mm. to be unpicked, to be unpicked. Or you're saying it in interviews and stuff like that and it's written down. Actually, you can't say everything that you want to say in that text on that page. And particularly not if it's a first or second draft that you're just mm. sending out speculatively to theatres actually you need to talk about it because that's the presence in the room that's who that's what you're going to have you have that whole package when you're working on a play you don't just have you know with, with new writing with new pieces you don't just have the paper you've got that voice and that energy and you know there are some playwrights who've got an awful lot more of that energy than other you know than others who are really fill a room with that and that's but i think that was wonderful. i think that's at the heart of you know of our shift in approach and moving to an exclusive commissioning model yeah. was that that you know there are we've kind of talked about this previously but that you know that there are that plenty of opportunities for writers to submit scripts to a competition and for that script to be a winning script you know and and actually we want we wanted to invest in the writers rather than the scripts if that makes sense the voices rather than the the, the um the, the plays and and it's it's about how we best identify the potential that somebody has and how we nurture that potential and how we, we get, you know, because it is risky, you know, particularly for a small company like this, we have to acknowledge that when you commission somebody and you, you know, you, you put forward a fee and, you know, there's money attached to it, that there's risk involved, you know, and that's why a lot of theatres have moved away from that, that model and that investment that was perhaps more prevalent in say the nineties, you know, in the new writing scene, mm. you know, that, that, that now, we know we wanted to make a commitment. We wanted to put our money where our mouth is. When we said to a writer, "We think you're brilliant. Let's make a play together." That there is a commitment there, um, and it's and with that comes the writer and their voice. And you know, like Hannah was saying, that 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 their view on the world, their the story they want to tell, all of that feeds into it. Um, and it's not just about putting on a good play. I think there's almost an aspect of of finding your spiritual true voice and yeah. you know it, it's it's massive so and all these things you can work on yourself um to a certain point and then have the confidence to approach mm. someone who will enable you to to be the best you can yeah yeah Absolutely. and i, I yeah. feel like the miss the missing piece is that you can do you can do an awful lot of work on your own but actually you do need you need those collaborators mm. as to help you just just lift yourself up actually mm. that I like that idea of your like spiritual true voice. Like you, you can't quite unlock that in yourself. That's about your relation to other people, isn't it? And how you're sparking off them and what what they bring to life in you. And that's you know, that's the beauty of theatre. That's the beauty of the entire experience of theatre. Mm. That it is all about relationships and interaction and reaction and life and sparks and energy. And it's that's. You know that that's what's contained in these beautiful buildings. That's what's contained in all these beautiful people, full of ideas and hope and passion, and you know, not not very much money. Um, like that's yeah. that's what we, you know, that's the point of it all. The collaboration <clears throat> coming together. So, am I right in thinking then that um, for Playbox in particular, um, yeah, you're not looking for a particular kind of playwright or a particular style of play or a particular theme. Um, so, so what is it? What is the thing that you're actually looking for uh, when you're recruiting for for Playbox? Yeah, I think there's there's. I mean, like we've kind of talked about this a, a number of times about kind of Playbox, you know, internally and actually kind of honing in on exactly what it is that we're that we're 
looking for and there's you know there's kind of clear guidelines on our website about levels of experience you know for, and, for playbox in particular yeah for playbox in particular because it we want it to be early career writers you know and we're, that's what that opportunity is but for, for me in terms of w- what we're trying to identify when we we find three writers for a particular year is the, the writers that will get the most out of that opportunity and who will who we feel we can um add value to their to their to their progression as as playwrights and who are going to give something different to us as yeah, well yeah, yeah. you know um that that's really important i, mm. I think um playbox how we find our playbox playwriters kind of sits slightly outside how we identify writers that we want to commission for a new tricks production and that is very much about going I just love their writing. I just love the way they talk about ideas. I really want to just be in a room with this person for a long period of time. And, and yes, that story sounds amazing. Let's do that. Um, and actually that, that is very much based on a dialogue and a conversation and ideas. And, um, but interestingly though, Playbox is fast becoming a conduit for new tricks. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there are, you know, numerous writers who, who've come through the Playbox initiative who we, you know, the, you know, they're in ongoing conversations. Yeah, about yeah, kind of yeah, future projects, and that we've commissioned, and you know, um, you know, David Judge yeah. is is one of them, you know, and, and it's it's important for me that 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 pathway is there. Yeah, you know, it's and it's not it, it's not the end result of Playbox. It's not like we are trying to just find writers for our future seasons. It's actually because we're always quite keen to point out, like Playbox, it's not there's a no strings attached. Uh, approach to this script the, the script that the writer has at the end of it is theirs, is theirs. and what and what we hope is that that becomes a calling card for them and that they you know well, for example and we, it's something that reflects their their voice as a writer yeah and so keisha one of our playboxes who finished in january mm. this year like she um put her idea the bell curves her play out you know she entered it for a couple of opportunities and she mm. got the eclipse Commission. Mm, um, in fact, so they're doing a Zoom online read today mm. of the new draft of it, oh. and um, which is amazing because mm. actually that like they're a much better fit mm. for producing the play than we would be, but the play wouldn't exist had we not given her the opportunity and the time and the excuse to really concentrate and focus and write write mm. that and push herself in a different direction, mm. and yeah. um, and like Keisha's an amazing individual I mean she's just she's just so focused and motivated and organized and energized and knows knows so much more about science and economics stuff than I could ever hope to (laughs) um but like that for as an experience for us as a company and as Mm. a director working with her like just opening my eyes to subject matters that aren't normally put on stage and and a, and a particular kind of thinking approaching a piece of theatre and that was that's what's really exciting about that that both parties really benefited from that Keisha got a huge amount out of the playbox placement we got a huge amount out of Keisha and we've both come out of it feeling really good about the process really proud of the play that she's presented that she's you know worked on she's really excited about the next stage of it and um and no one at any point went oh well what do you mean you're not giving that to us to produce and mm. you know that it that no strings attached um attitude 
is a real positive, you know, that, that we want that to empower playwrights. We don't want that in any way to feel like a get out of jail free card for us. Or that they're, they're, or they're writing for us in a sense, you know, yeah, it's yeah. actually, it's that they're writing for themselves. They're telling the story they want to tell, whether that's something they want to stage with box of tricks or not, you know? Yeah. So yeah. in terms of box of tricks and your sort of ethos, it, it seems to me that, um, you've always been at pains to make sure that you are representing different voices. Um, has that been something that you have been conscious of? Definitely, yeah. It's um, there's been a lot of talk about it as a team, actually. You know, you, you know everything that's happening in the world in light of you know um, Black Lives Matter and death of George Floyd. Yeah. You know, that, that actually suddenly we're, we're analysing the, the, what's happening in the theatre industry, and actually, are we um, as representative as we can be as an industry? Are we? are those pathways as equal as they can be? And, you know, and the honest answer is no. And, and, and actually that we, we can't keep just um, putting statements out about that and, you know, doing nothing about it. And I think actually now is a time for action. And it's always been important to us that, that, that yeah. those stories, because, you know, diverse voices and uh, and stories yeah. enrich the work you know it's, it's like it's what we're saying about it's it's about the individual and what they're bringing to the table not just the play that they're bringing but what they're bringing to the table and their view on the world and that goes that extends to all our collaborators you know actors and you know lighting designers sound designers everyone we work with yeah. feeds into that process and that's where the alchemy comes in you know it's 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 all those different people and 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 if you are you know, if, if you're not opening yourself up to um, as many uh, viewpoints. viewpoints as possible, then you're you're denying it, 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 denying an avenue of creativity, and you're denying, um, uh, you know, a voice. A voice, yeah. And, and actually, yeah. So the short answer is, yeah, it is. It, it, it has always been yeah. important to us, but I think. We hadn't. I don't think we'd taken the time to actually consciously articulate that that Mm. was important to us, and to really interrogate what that importance meant in terms of action. And that, yeah, actually, looking back at all the work that we've done, um, we have thought about the individual, and we Mm. have um, we have been open-minded and 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 attained a degree of diversity, but actually we haven't been overt about that or um yeah. or necessarily thought backwards about it i think we've we've definitely as a lot of theater makers have been quite guilty of look, still looking out from our perspective yeah. and uh, an understanding and empathizing with other people's perspective but still not quite being able to step outside of ours and yeah. i think that's the next step that we need to take going like I need to remove my perspective and, and I need to really think about the barriers that other people face mm. that don't even occur to me. And and actually, I mean, it's it's, a, it's possibly a slightly banal example, but, but like the, the Playmakers Network, you know, and, and putting stuff online and making it easy for people to connect. Like if travelling and uh, on a busy train and um being in a busy room full of people and having to talk to people you don't know causes immense anxiety for you or just feels 
too much or intimidating or you know that you're going to feel um, different in that room, that you're not going to look like the rest of the room or feel like the rest of the room or whatever, you know, that you, then, then actually that's not fair to say that the only way that you can have access to us is by putting yourself in that position and immediately feeling othered or, or uncomfortable. And, you know, and I'm sure that the rest of the room in no way would have that intention. But actually, that's something that, that the industry's got to address, that, mm. that the rooms that people are in often look a particular way. Mm. And that's not easy for yeah. someone who doesn't look or think or speak or act that way. And um, and that's not how society looks. Do you know what I mean? Like, Manchester doesn't look, you know... I mean, we, sometimes we look at our Zooms with Box of Tricks and it's like four white people with thick frame glasses and we're like this is not how Manchester looks <laughs> is anyone allowed to be in the company if they yeah. haven't got thick framed glasses and I think it's and I think it's not you know for us now moving forward it's about not being afraid to have uncomfortable conversations yeah. because we all as an industry yeah. we need to start having those conversations publicly as well and actually saying where how can we be better right let's implement that change you know the time for talking is well and truly done and actually you know yeah. it's the time for action so I, I i've seen i think i've seen all, all your plays although um I, I didn't get to see alison carr did alison carr's um the last, last quiz night yeah last quiz night and um, so i've seen you've done some uh, online extras with one of the characters and um did you get to produce that? Was that on or did they, did COVID? Yeah, so it was. It, it did was, half of it. Did yeah, half so it was, it was it was an eight week tour that we had. We had to cut it at four weeks. Um, yeah. In fact, it was it was the infamous night when Boris kind of said that he doesn't advise going to theatres or pubs, um, but didn't you know um, kind of ban them uh, or close them down rather. And 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 we were about to perform in a pub, um, <laughs> perform the show in a pub in Oldham. Um, and so had to very quickly, and that announcement was made around five or half five, I think it was. And so we had some frantic conversations with Chris Lawson, who's the artist director at Oldham. Yeah, Coliseum. I mean to compound matters, we were entering a brief period of self isolation because our five year old had been sent home from school with a temperature. Yeah, yeah. So, so we were like, ah. Yeah, uh, and but but we but we basically we closed the show within an hour, and we packed up the van, and that was it. And um, it, yeah. it's heartbreaking, but you know, you 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 recognise obviously that you know there are bigger things than theatre um but it just feels you know and this is getting political now but like you know four months on or whatever it is we are now that, that there's still no no answers as to when we are going to be you know beyond this this roadmap and actually that you know that that you know it, we need a time frame we need guidance we need investment you know and and because it's not it's not just as easy as switching the lights back on yeah. and you know reconnecting the beer pumps actually mm. and you know last quiz night is a really good case in point because in in lots of ways it's quite a fleet-footed show that can travel in the back of a van and the four actors set it up every night with the stage manager and pop up in village halls and pubs and libraries and all different places so you know one on one hand you think oh well, that's easy just just summon it back up mm. when you need to but actually the fact it's linking with loads of communities and people who organise their own entertainment. So, you know, Marjorie and Alan at the village hall book it in and they get the volunteers to come and, you know, make pies everyone eats during the play and then make sure that you've got, that, you know, I don't know, Kevin goes down the off licence and buys so many bottles of rosé, blah, 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 all that. Actually, it's a real community endeavour that brings everybody together and that's the one thing that they all do together that month. And... Um, slightly wobble myself off with these imagined people <laughs> 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 but, I want to be um, friends with Kevin 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, a rum so I wouldn't. But um, it's that actually that sense of um, the communities around theatre. That's what. Yeah. That's what I think is missing from a lot of people's perception of what has gone. Mm. It's not just a night out or a treat or a present you buy your friend or you mm. know the the cultural thing that you do because you consider yourself to be cultured. Actually, it's about it's a huge complex a, network. Yeah, and it's like a real people. domino effect, isn't it? That, yeah. that, that you know there are communities who rely on this the support that that theatre gives and not just performance. You know, uh, engagement yeah. work and outreach work and all of that stuff. Um, and I'm seeing their stories, like for some of these mm. communities, actually theatre's one of the only art forms through which they really see their life and mm. people like them. And yes, there's a big argument that we need to increase that and, and make sure that everyone's stories have you know, been put out there. But but actually theatre does it far more than you know, dance or opera mm. does, you know. Um and that that community stuff is is really really important i think that's that's what it's not just the artistic community who are missing working together and being together it's it's the community of our audience and and the artists as audience mm. you know like it's it's been great that we've been able to watch so much theater online and actually as parents of two young children we have managed to watch shows that we wouldn't have been able to see we've probably yeah. seen more theater than we did before lockdown oh, yeah, yeah definitely <laughs> But it's not the same. It's not the same as no. be, being in a theatre, spotting someone you know, having a catch-up, having that chat, and just that being around people, mm. um, you know, in a safe and socially responsible manner, um, obviously. Uh, and that's, yeah, We I think the ramifications of having to cancel last quiz night, have they've taken a little while to kind of ripple through. You know, initially we were just like, right, what are the logistics of it? How do we make sure that everyone gets paid? How do we make sure that we're not leaving people out of pocket and suddenly not being able to to pay their bills or whatever? Um, but then, you know, the longer it sits with you and initially we were like, right, well, we'll just find a way to get it back on. And we were already talking about a possible future life for it. And then you don't know when that's going to happen. And you don't know mm-hmm. if those venues are going to open again. You don't know if there's the money for it. And then suddenly everything gets further and further away. And, mm-hmm. and I was saying to Adam, like, you know, you're not allowed to, like, they're not going to be any school choirs when the schools go back. And suddenly that thought that, like, primary school kids aren't going to sing together for, like, months, possibly a year. And, you know, it's that, these things that we hadn't really thought about, that things that you sort of take for granted, mm. gestures of community, gestures of unity and solidarity, that suddenly you just, you, it'll be a really long time before you do it. Mm. And that's um, that's an increasingly odd, odd yeah, feeling. Absolutely. There's a couple of things that, um, like, I think there's something from that about what comes next. But before we get on to that, there are a couple of things that you touched on. Uh, rural touring as well, I want to talk about that. Um, but I just want to take a step back because you've mentioned new tricks a couple of times. Yeah. I, I, so for people who don't know what new tricks is, do you want to talk about that for a absolutely, second? Absolutely, yeah. So, so new tricks is is um, is our commissioning model. So so when when we've when we come to programming future seasons and thinking about the work that we want to make the first port of call is the writers that we want to make that work with so we'll we'll you know we've got writers that we've worked with in the past we've got writers who have come through uh playbox or who who are on our radar for whatever reason and actually people that we are excited about and actually it's then about identifying the writers that 
we want to work with at that moment in time. And so we'll then commission those writers to write a play. Um, and we'll talk about ideas that they've got initially and things that excite them and um, a particular story. And then we'll find through through various conversations, we'll find we'll hit upon a story that kind of excites both us and them. And then we'll ask for a treatment. Mm-hmm. And then once we've kind of agreed on the treatment and the outline and pitch of, 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 the, of the story, we'll then send them away to, to write a first draft. And then it goes on a and development start, process. And start thinking about the model of how we produce that mm. as well i think one thing that's really important with us in the new tricks commissions is that from the off we are thinking about the production we're thinking about like who's the audience for this what does mm. it look like what are the spaces that it might be in and that then influences mm. the development process that we go on who we're connecting with whether we're doing workshops as part of the process whether we're you know engaging well how early we're engaging our mm. audience and and that's it's a sensible thing to do in practical logistical terms, given that we don't have our own venue that we're just filling, you know, with, with plays. But also it's it's quite an exciting way to mm. work because each time you get to think, oh, well, well, this could be fun. Let's do, you know, let's do it in chip shops. Let's do it in pubs. Let's do it, you know, in parks. Or actually, I really, I, it'll be so good in that theatre. It'll work beautifully in mm. that space. Let's go and talk to them. And um, that's that's been a really positive Yeah. Um, development of new tricks. Yeah. Katie Scott, I know mean, you work with her. Um, yeah, I love yeah, she she's fabulous, it. isn't she? Um, ha- can you just talk a little bit the collaboration between a designer and and the whole the whole creative team? How do you get to a point where you've got the right set for your for the production? So, I mean, Katie, we've worked with over the last five years, five Easy. years, and and she's um, she's an associate of the of the company. And actually, again, it's about that collaboration, and we try and invite her into the process. At, an earlier stage as possible so it could be that we'll be like oh we're starting you know starting a new tricks commission with this right and they're exploring this idea so we'll plant that those seeds quite early and then if there's a (laughs) rehearsed reading we'll we'll invite her along if she can make it and you know as as part of the development process and so so she's again like she's not just coming to it coming to the play as a finished product and approaching it with like okay she's not just there to realize you know one of our visions for the play she's integral to to that process or to solve problems she she is she is a um a creative force in her own right you know and and i think that's 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 really important and that and and that's true you know with with everyone we work with that that you know we i think it's easy to to get a script to a point and then go into a rehearsal room and then invite the other creatives at that stage and it it you know it's almost like a, a a an afterthought yeah an afterthought or an addition to yeah. to the vision rather than you know a holistic part of the process and i think because of that that we that we're quite we're um particularly with the set designer mm. um that actually we're open to the shape that that process takes as well so when we were working together on narvik she and i went to the um maritime museum and wandered around and looked at lots of stuff to do with world war ii and submarines and then she went to a shipyard and looked at how they built ships and um when we were doing spark plug we were sending each other pictures of cars that we kept finding and whether you know and and whether they'd be good and colors and Mm. you know and um i mean adam's often coloring katie with like scribbles on envelopes and yeah i was gonna gonna say it's i I mean actually it'd be interesting to talk to katie about this (laughs) we should probably get her involved in the conversation but like but she we have quite a different 
approach to working with a designer I think I think yes, that's, that's yes, fair we to say. Definitely do. because like we've talked about this at length but like when I read a play I see it it's quite a visual thing I've got a you know a version of it and that's not necessarily the version that then ends up on stage but I picture it whereas Hannah doesn't so much when she reads a play um so in a sense Hannah comes to those conversations with Katie with more of a kind of blank canvas whereas I kind of have ideas which then yeah some, some really <laughs> bad like you know pictures uh, you know and, 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 and um stick men and whatnot but like but 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 it'll be a starting point and then yeah. Katie and I'll go on kind of a creative journey that, that takes it in a different direction but it's it, that that process that, that I guess that's what I mean about um putting people together that that something different happens every time it's a different dynamic or a different you know, project project yeah, yeah. That, that that just yeah the infinite possibilities of that mm, you know yeah brilliant so rural touring then um i think that when a lot of you know newer playwrights and theatre makers when they get into theatre and they start out you know we've all got ideas about where we'd like to see our work on you know and and we all dream of having a play on at the national um but maybe um, it's harder for us sometimes to get excited about the prospect of maybe having a play on, say, at a village hall just outside Rotherham or whatever. Um, but actually, rural touring, I mean, having done it myself, it is actually a hugely exciting thing to get involved in, isn't it? It is. What has your experience been of that? So, so uh, the, I mean, we kind of fell into it, really, is the honest answer. So when we first set up New Tricks and we, we knew the writers we wanted to work with, one of them was Becky Presswich, who came to me with an idea about setting a chip shop. And um, she'd she basically she'd been at Olympus Fish and Chip Shop in Bolton. I don't know if you know it. Um, it's like this huge kind of institution in Bolton. It's it's a massive restaurant. We sit down for your chippy tea, and she'd she'd gone there before a show at the Octagon, I think. And and she just kind of got drawn into these stories that were happening around her, um, and just kind of got fascinated about you know what would happen if you set a play in chip shop, but. Her original idea was to set it in, you know, for us to do it to as create a create a chip shop. Yeah, on create stage. a chip shop on stage and everything else. And I said, well, what if we actually created a chip shop and, we, and the audience eat fish and chips and they're part of the show and we break down that fourth wall and we just got really excited about that. And and, and there was then, you know, the, the chip chip shop owner loves Northern Soul and so then becomes there's music that's part of it. He does a quiz, you know, it becomes interactive and it becomes something other than just a play. It becomes, you know, an experience and something you engage with. And I think rural touring is absolutely perfect for that kind of um, reaching that kind of audience. And we take it, you know, we take it to libraries. We take it to um, to, to, to spaces in urban uh, environments as well. And, you know, like, like with Last Quiz Night, we took it to pubs. And but the point you. with all of those spaces is that in a way that isn't always the case with theatre, the spaces really belong to the audience. Mm. They really belong to their community and they're different. Exactly. And, and you're, go- you're going to them yeah. and you're going to their territory, somewhere that they're familiar with more often than not. And, and, and it's, it's not that kind of intimidating thing of crossing the threshold of a yeah. theatre, you know, which is still a barrier for a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, and, and it just suddenly opens us yeah, to a whole, in. yeah, a whole different audience. And I guess that's what really excited it when we did chip chop chips it was incredible i mean it also it sold out the whole tour the first time around sold out and then the second time chips. Yeah, yeah the second time around <laughs> we brought it back and it completely sold out and, and it's um yeah. yeah people love chips but like <laughs> i think for me also it, we got really excited about 
that and it's yeah. now become a core element of our work so that when we do approach commissions you know we're we're, we're actively so last quiz night that was that was part of the the the, Thinking, the brief yeah. Yeah. for yeah. for Alison was that it was it was going to be for for these spaces and these audiences um and actually that's you know it, 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 it's it's one of the elements of our work that I absolutely adore you yeah know? it's really rewarding um, and there's no filter for the audiences yeah uh, literally sometimes they're coming so up to you and you're like i have made the show so <laughs> <laughs> thanks so thanks for telling me that but you know they'll they'll offer you a crisp or you know like we, i remember seeing chip shop chips in with and um in a little village hall in Shropshire and going with my friend and not realizing that it was bring your own we hadn't brought our own but the lovely people on our table gave us a glass of wine and that's very exciting and yeah. it's stuff like you know yeah we did and really like nice. last quiz night we did um it was the friday friday night was it the first week in salford and it was this it, it, it was this pub in salford yeah. and everyone got pissed they were it was absolutely the atmosphere by all accounts was rowdy um but excited engaged but we're doing the vox pops afterwards and we get all these people who are like half cut you know giving their opinion and stuff but it but it captured but it captured the energy of it you know what i mean and um yeah and i guess that's what excites me about it that that you you open yourself up to um theater being embracing the live element of theater and 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 people really fully getting on board with it engaging with it in a way that you know you don't necessarily get you know sat in stalls of yeah. I was going to say the Royal Opera House. I don't know why I'm tacking Alison, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love Alison's work. I've seen seen some right before. So was she able to mm. attend any of the uh, on-site performances? Was she there? Oh yeah, no, she was. She was. She was there um, uh, during rehearsals and you know those early performances and first. Yeah, and the, yeah, she was there for the open dress yeah. rehearsal, and then she came sort of up in the northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, towards the start of the tour and then her mum and dad's team won the quiz hey. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah no it was um it was really lovely actually and i was there at the show when when she was watching it in um I can't even remember, a, lovely, a really lovely little village hall like mm. on the little um northumbrian village kind mm. of perched on top of the moors um and they were giving they were doing pie and peas and chips oh, which we yeah. didn't realize we'd eaten beforehand <laughs> and as part of the ticket, I would have got free pie and peas and chips and <laughs> look really nice. Um, <laughs> food is often a big part of rural touring, which <laughs> yeah. is a major plus yeah, point yeah. for me. Um, I've done rural touring where I've been slightly worried that the crew need to hurry up and finish their tea and build the set. <laughs> <laughs> I've been like, okay, come on, eat up, eat up. Speaking of time, we are actually running out of time. So as one last question before you go for both of you, um, if there was one piece of advice you could give to an emerging playwright or theatre maker right now, what would that be? So, yeah, I I think a lot of writers um, feel the pressure to, to write the kind of play that uh, uh, that could win an award or that could uh that would capture the imagination of a theater or whatever else rather than writing the story that they want to tell yeah. and i think for me writers um who trust in their voice and trust in what it is that they want to say that's particular to the world and uh, and have the confidence to explore that um i think i think just trust trust in that that would be my advice to writers yeah i think um I think I would echo, I'd probably echo and slightly and slightly expand on that in in terms of all theatre makers. Actually, stories are key. H- however, you're making your art, whether it's you know devised or physical, or whatever. That actually, it's the story that's key, and to think about the you know the stories that aren't being told, the mm-hmm. ones that you you know the theatre often can go in waves of you know 
like around the war in Afghanistan, lots of returning soldiers coming from home and having a horrible time as they struggle to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder. And it's like, okay, like, but think about the stories that aren't being told. You're you're interested in this incident. You're interested in this moment and and this um these events. Yeah, and what like, are the story the stories plural. Yeah, and 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 actually, you know, bringing up Lizzie Nunnery again. You know, when when she and Hannah kind of explored Narvik in those early days, she was just so good at just it's not just about those characters in that world and that, that story. She, she goes deeper. She scratches beneath the surface. She really explores, you know, not just the surface level anxiety around, you know, uh, a war or whatever else. She, yeah. she really gets to the heart of those characters. Um, and I think it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's going, it's going, it's doing that work yeah. as well. And staying interested, I guess. Yeah, Being curious. interested in, in the yeah. human condition that, that's what brings about a good a good piece of work, isn't it? Caring and, and interest. Absolutely, yeah. It's about <laughs> it's quite three different answers. Some really pithy bits of advice there. <laughs> top tips. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, I, I wish we had more time because yeah. I'd love to have discussed David Judge as well. I think he's just mm. an absolutely phenomenal theatre maker. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, no, we'll come right. back. We'll come back for a follow-up. We'll right. in, again. Again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, just don't fun. invite David as well because we won't get a word in his voice. Love him. Love him. Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Take care. Cheers. Bye. So that was the lovely Adam and Hannah from Box of Tricks. Just really committed, aren't they, to yeah. what they're doing. And we're so lucky, basically, to have people out there yeah. who are thinking about playwrights and theatre makers and emerging artists and trying to come up with ways to support us in creating our work. Yeah, absolutely. Everything about them and all that, you know, every single answer that they gave us was so considered because they've been, like, living this this structure of of understanding like the, the challenges of being writers and, and playwrights and, and theatre makers. And they work really hard and they've got a family and they they just still are there, especially with their strong online presence mm. now. Mm. I found I, I just found them really, really great, really inspiring. Yeah, they are. And one of the things I love about them is that they listen and they take action. Yeah. Like they don't think they already know the answers so like they mentioned during the interview the breakfast workshop that they did and I, I was at that breakfast and I remember people saying oh yeah you know we'd like an opportunity to collaborate with the, the writers and be connected with people so they've set up this pen pals thing directly in response to that yeah. so they've listened and they've gone away and, and created something that people asked for and it's really good because it I don't know it makes you feel like you know, we have got a voice and if we ask for things, then, you know, we might just get it. Yeah. The emphasis, again, is is on perhaps being brave enough to approach people because mm, yeah. you may find that daunting. But I think more often than not, you're surprised at how lovely people are and how they've worked from the very beginning themselves and built themselves up and understand um where you're coming from. I, I have stayed in touch with Box of Tricks for quite a long time and I just check in with them every so often and they've, they're, you know, they're always so welcoming and you can ask them anything really. I, I think that they would always be there to help. And they've got schemes online like the Playbox scheme, which I would really encourage people to get involved with if it's if it's appropriate for you because um, to get involved with Box of Tricks is just always going to be a positive thing. Yeah, definitely.
Okay, well, that's the end of this week's episode and we'll see you next time. As ever, we would ask um, very gently if you wouldn't <laughs> mind giving us a five-star review on the Apple um, App Store because that means that other people can find us more easily. And follow us, subscribe to us. Okay, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thank you. See you next Bye. time.